First Timothy and chapter four. <clears throat> We're going to read a little bit of the context here, but 4 and 4 is our main verse that we're going to go off of. Notice what Paul says here in 1 Timothy chapter 4, let's start with verse 1. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Key verse. For everything created by God is good. And nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We pray now that you would bless the reading of Your Word, the hearing of it, and our response to what You have to say to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. That's, you know, a very popular, uh, you could call it an aphorism or a saying that is rhythmic and we remember, but I'm afraid it's become uh, trite for me most of the time when I hear it, I think, oh, well, here we go again. And I wonder sometimes if it hasn't become trite theologically in our hearts and in our minds. As we talked about last week, we're, we're trying to always, with faith and being faithful to God, we're always trying to connect our head to our heart, which is actually a difficult task. Uh, a lot of times we believe things up here, but we never do them. <laughs> I mean, look at diets. Look at healthy eating. We know it up here, but we don't do it. Uh, so there's a disconnect between... Something happens between here and here. And I think it's the same thing with Christianity. I think it happens to all of us. Is There's a, this disconnect um, between our thinking and our doing. Now remember, with St. Paul, as we've said before, he is always connecting thinking with doing. Doing to thinking. Notice in Romans, which is kind of his premier book, it's the first epistle of all the epistles of Paul and, of course, the others. And the way he splits the book is to begin with right doctrine. As he says here to Timothy, who was his disciple... Good doctrine. But then he doesn't end there. He doesn't just talk about good theology, but instead how to live out that theology. It's not good enough for us just to have good ideas. We must live out those good ideas. And that's what we do as the body of Christ. We're not just a place that you come to hear good ideas because Jesus ultimately is not an idea, He's a real person. 
You know, it's not just the idea of Jessica that I responded to when I wanted to marry her. And now that I am married to her, it's not just the idea of her. There is an idea of her in my mind. We all have an idea of our spouse, and that changes over time, and it deepens. We have the same thing about our friends friends, and our friendships. We have ideas. Of when, when that person is, is spoken, we immediately have an idea of them. But living out the reality, we know we should love them, we know we should forgive them, but then when the argument begins, all that goes out the window, and what do we actually do? And we think to ourselves, Ugh. Why is that disconnect there? I knew what to do and I didn't do it. Why is it so hard? Um, We've got to connect our head to our heart. And we have to let our faith go deep. And this is what we talked about last week. week. But what I want to focus on this morning is the fact that God, without being trite, God really is good all the time. And everything He does is good. And that's where we begin this morning. Notice in verse 4 of chapter 4 to Timothy, which again is Paul's disciple. He's, uh, some people think he's a teenager here. He may have just been a young man. They didn't believe you became an adult until you were 30. So I'm one year into adulthood. Way to go me. You know. Um, which is good for me. I, I, I kind of like that a little bit better. When you, when you say, well, you're an adult now at 18. Boy, most of us at 18 do not look like an adult at all. I kind of like thinking, you know, you're an adult at 30. That's when, that's when you really start kind of, you know. Uh, and some of us are still working on that. <clears throat> um, which is good. Uh, now notice this. He says this. For everything created by God. Everything. And as, you know, as preachers uh, often say... I looked up everything in the Greek, and guess what? It's everything. (laughs) It means everything. Uh, Everything God created, notice what he says here, that is created by God, is good. And nothing is to be rejected if it was received by or with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. Everything created by God is good. Think with me in your mind and take another trip all the way back to Genesis. We often do this because, honestly, Genesis 1 through 3 is the foundation or, as I like to call it, the framework by which everything else happens in the Bible. So those three chapters at the beginning of Genesis really set the parameters, if you will, for everything else that's going to happen in the Scripture, which is kind of crazy to think about. It's kind of like a picture, you know? A picture is contained within the frame. Everything that's going on in the picture, no matter if it's panoramic view or whatever, is is contained in that frame. And in those three first chapters, everything that we're going to run up against into whatever in the Bible is found there. And the first thing that happens is God creates by His Word. He creates out of nothing. And He looks at it and what does He say? This is good. This is good. This is good. Now, when we say good, that term good, it helps in defining that just a little bit. You know, when I, when I cook a steak at my house, which I think I've gotten somewhat good at, I say to myself when I put that steak in my mouth, I say, boy, that's, that's a good steak. Now, what do I mean by that's a good steak? Does that mean that there is a steak out there that is a sinful steak? That there's a sinning cow, that if I were to eat that one, it wouldn't be a good cow, but a bad cow? 
No, that's not what it means. It means what I purposed in my heart before I ever cooked that thing. To enjoy. You know, that premier steak. What a steak should be. That's what makes it good. When something is what it should be. So we say to ourselves, buy us some good ice cream. Now, we've got... Well, normally ice cream doesn't go bad, but when when I'm in charge of ice cream, my ice cream typically does go bad because I don't eat enough of it in the, the amount of time you're supposed to. Jessica doesn't seem to have that problem, but I do. My ice cream will get kind of glazed over with this ice form, you know, and then you start... And it's not good ice cream. Because it's not really what ice cream should be. It should be creamy. It should be... It should be tasty, not dead and bland. It's not good ice cream. It's bad when it doesn't live up to what it should be. And when God looks at everything, He says, you know what? This is good. He makes the trees. He makes the atmosphere. He makes clouds. You know, clouds are something we can't produce. We don't even know much about clouds. In all the, in all the computer models of, of, uh, of the global warming stuff and even of our... Uh, of our atmospheric um, readings, we have no idea how to create clouds, even in a computer system. And we can create trees and stuff like that. But we have no idea how to, how to... We don't even know what all a cloud is. It's a fascinating thing. Now, I learned that from Roy Spencer, who over here in UAH, who's a climatologist. We still don't understand, with all our technology and all our supercomputers, we still can't emulate what a cloud does. And they're everywhere. God created clouds. And He looks at him and He says, you know what? This is good. It's exactly what I wanted it to be. He creates the ground. He creates the sea, the ocean. And when we go and stand, like some of us have already this, this uh, summer, on the beach, and we look out, and we think, wow, that's a big body of water out there. As far as the eye can see. God created that. And He said, you know what? This is good. The animals, this is good. And then finally, us. He creates mankind. Male and female. Not just male, not just female, but both together. In marriage. It's interesting, He actually creates them married. It says that he, she, took from, or she gave to her husband. They're married. So He creates marriage. And you know what He says after the sixth day of creation? After he's already, you know, he's already worked for six days, and this is his last day, and he does the big shebang. This is the crescendo, the zenith of his creation, who is humans. And he says, you know what? When he looks at the whole thing, he says, this is very good. This is very good. This is exactly what I want it to be. It's kind of like a painter or an artist. Maybe when you were small, you drew. And you have this idea in your head. Maybe you're a writer. Poetry. You have this idea of what you want to say. Maybe you're a speaker like me, and you have this idea of what you want to say, and to say it right, you think, mm, that was good. I got it across. Great, I saw light bulbs going off. You know, that's what I'm always looking for is facial expressions. That's what I tell my students, and you know, of course, you as well. You don't have to say amen, but at least speak to me with your face. Don't be just staring off into nowhere. I mean, just even if you don't disagree, you know. That's what I tell my students. Give me a little feedback, you know. It's not that I'm going to call you, but just be like, what is, what is he talking about? You know, don't start talking, but just show me with your face what you're thinking. 
God looks at all this stuff and He says, this is very good. Because why? Because in His mind, He had an idea of what He wanted to do and He executed it exactly like He wanted. You know what's cool? This is the best of all possible worlds. This is the best of all possible worlds. Just think about this real quick. There's no other alternate universe that's better than what we have right here. Now think about that. Now movies have tried to portray different types of universes and you know alternate realities. And a lot of times we even think that heaven is going to be some type of alternate reality. That, that really heaven is what should have happened first. And this, this plan was kind of blown. It was always faulty to begin with. But that is not the Christian understanding of the world, my good friends. This is good. This whole thing is good. Notice in heaven there's a tree. Notice in heaven there's water. Notice in heaven we're eating. All the stuff that He made here is perfect. All the stuff He made here is good and it's the best possible world anyone could ever conceive of. That's fascinating. Why? Because He's good. Everything He does is good. He defines good. You know, people talk about truth being relative. You know, person to person. I can kind of go with them for a ways. Here's why. Truth is relative and so is good. Good is relative to God and truth is relative to Jesus. Remember that all creation was created through who? And by who? And for who? Jesus. That's what Paul says. Remember what John says in the beginning of his Gospel. He begins it the same place Genesis 1 begins. In the beginning, in the beginning, was what? The Word of God. God's Son, who was God and was with God. And all things were created through Him. It was always His design to be one of us. (laughs) To become one of us. To be with us. This was the greatest possible world that ever could be conceived. And it was good. Very, very good. It's exactly what He wanted it to be. What does this tell us about God? It tells us that He's infinitely powerful. He can do whatever He wants. And what He does is good. He defines what is good. Remember, He gives us the law in order to tell us what is good. This is the importance of the law. He says, this is what you're to be about and this is not what you're to be. This is what I'm like and this is what I'm not like. You know, most of us here, if we don't have kids, we're at least around kids because we have a lot of them locked up in this room over here, right? And they're playing over there. And you may hear them trying to get out in a moment if I go too long. As a parent, when they're five and under, as, as a parent, you're not defining for them necessarily who you are, but instead what we're not like. Does that make sense? I feel like sometimes, and correct me if I'm wrong with, with your nods, but I feel like all I ever do is say, don't do this, don't touch that, don't do, oh no, 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 that's not good. This, all we're ever doing is negative stuff, isn't it? And I feel like sometimes, man, I wish I could just hang out with Jackson and chat with him, but I, I'm too busy correcting him. But you know, that's where we have to begin. It's where God begins, isn't it? In the Old Testament, it's a bunch of don't do this stuff. And I mean, it's tough, but it's we're His children, are we not? And he's saying, don't do this. Don't touch that. That's not good for you. Don't eat that. Don't put that in your mouth. 
He has to correct us. He has to discipline us on what he's not like first. And then he gets to the good stuff, doesn't he, in the New Testament, which is why we like it so much. He's like, because why? He sends the Messiah. He, he sends Jesus Christ, God's Son, God in the flesh, who not only shows us what not to do, but what? Shows us how to live out God's kind of life. He shows us what a human really ought to be. He is the only, notice this, good person ever to truly live. All of our goodness, like when we say, oh yeah, so-and-so's a good guy. You know, Bobby's such a good guy. That means we're reflecting God's goodness. There's no, the source doesn't start with Bob or me. The source is Jesus Christ Himself. He's the only one who's ever lived who was truly good. You remember the rich young ruler came to Jesus? What did he say? Good teacher. And Jesus immediately said, oh, only God is good. What are you talking about? Of course, he was trying to hint to him that you know, he was God and he was correcting that. But he said, no, no, only, only God is good. What are you talking about, good teacher? <laughs> he was what a human should have been. Just like that steak when I put it in my mouth and chomped down, I think, that is a good steak. God was saying about his son at his baptism, he said, this is good. This is what it means to be human. Now, the kind of life he lived doesn't look like my life a lot. The kind of life he lived was one where he gave himself. He is, as you could say, a great artist. And when he paints creation, when he sings it into existence, he does it exactly like he wants it. It's like a symphony. All these different things coming together to work as one. I mean, just think about the complexity. We have entire classes at universities that are still trying to understand this world and the seasons and, the, and all the intricacies. of. The, we're still trying to discover all the animals and insects. How they work together. The ecosystems. Different climates. I mean, there's so much. And it's just like a symphony. All... What, if, if one thing was taken out of by itself, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be great. Like if you just had, you know, I often ask my students, I say, which one of the keys on this keyboard is bad? Is it those deep ones? Are those bad? Is this, you know, high-pitched ones, are they the ones that are, that are good? No, there's not a bad or good on here. It's according to the composer. He lets you know when to play the right key. In the same way, God is a great composer. He knows when sex should be played. He knows when anger should be played. Because that's a real emotion. He knows what to do, when to do it, and He informs us of how and when. Both in His law and in Jesus Christ. But it doesn't stop there. What's crazy is it doesn't stop there. Instead, He also sends who? His Spirit. So you have Mount Sinai, Bethlehem, and Jerusalem in the upper room where Pentecost happens. And He sends His Spirit to dwell in us to make us good. That's some good stuff right there. 
So God is good all the time. And all the time God is good, yes. And life is good. The life that He has created around us, our life that He's given to us, is all good. You could say it this way, God is pure gift. All He ever does is give. That's it. He is pure gift, which is why we call Him gracious, kind, merciful. But what's happened? Because when we look around, when we listen to the news for five minutes... When we start surveying our life and our history, things aren't so good. So what's gone wrong? Is it God's fault? Some have suggested this, and they say, well, it's God's fault. He made evil. He made bad. He's the author of both good and evil. Which is a type of, philosophically, it's a type of dualism. Gnosticism, if you've heard of that, which was a first century heresy. The Gospel of John writes against Gnosticism. Uh, Maybe you know it a little bit more as the yin and the yang. You've seen that symbol, right? The black and the white mixed together in some type of wave and there's a dot of black in the white and a dot of white in the black. Meaning... That there is an equal amount in the world of good and evil, and life is about balancing the good and the evil. The evil is equated with the good. They're equal. And some have said, okay, well, God is the author of good and evil, therefore God is bad, therefore God is evil. Therefore, I don't believe in that kind of God. Okay? So, it's led to atheism, or it's led to a type of dualism. But there's a third option in this, and that is the Christian option, the biblical option. And that is, God is not the author of evil, or of death, or of sin. He is only good, He is only light. And in Him, John says, there is no darkness at all. In other words, there's no dualism in God. Like the Mormon God, they believe He's both good and evil. He has two sons, one's Jesus, one's Satan. That's not the Christian option. The Christian option says there is only in God light. Darkness comes when we turn our face away from the sun. Try to hide in an enclosure and cover ourselves from its rays. It's interesting that you can't measure cold. Do you know that? You can only measure heat. Cold can't be measured. You can only measure the heat. Not only that, you can't bring darkness to me. You can bring a light to me, but you can't bring darkness to me. We can't even cut on darkness. By the way, I meant to do this earlier. But we can't cut on the light. The only way to get darkness is to cut out the light. Darkness, so to speak, is not its own thing. It's it's piggybacking off of light. It's just like a hole. You know, I've got a hole in my shirt right here. What is a hole? A hole is the absence of the material. Is a hole real? Yes. Is evil real? Yes. But it is the absence of the good of God. It's turning your face away from Him. And God did not create it. We did. We failed God. We're the ones who are responsible. And yet... 
Here's the good news. Even though we're responsible, even though we've turned our face away from Him, even though we've pushed the wrong keys at the wrong time and messed up the whole thing, you know what He does? He comes alongside us and starts playing a new song and says, you know what? I can use that. You ever had that happen to you before? You ever, you ever in class said something and you're like, mm, ah, it wasn't right. He's going to ring me on that one. And yet the professor still used it and weaved it into what he was going to say. I've had that happen. I've been very thankful. Maybe it was you playing a sport. Maybe it was you playing a sport and you made an error. But that error led to something good that happened. It fired up the team to rally around you. You see, he promises that He will do no evil toward you. God is not the author of your evil or your suffering. Now we know people personally this morning that are suffering. And death, the Scripture says, is our arch enemy. It makes everything worthless to us in this life if we don't have Christ. But Christ used the worst thing that can happen to a human, which is to die. He used that as the best thing. I mean, what do we celebrate in Christianity? The cross. The cross is a symbol of death. I thought death was our enemy. And yet, because of Jesus Christ, God takes our... not even knowing how to play, and He makes it into something melodious. Saving. (laughs) He comes alongside us and, and absorbs the darkness. He takes on evil head on. The church fathers often described it as an angling uh, illustration, fishing illustration. They said what God did was to draw Satan in. Jesus was the hook. He looks like this helpless minnow in the water and here comes Satan. Oh, I'm going to eat him and tear him up. And he does. And he swallows Jesus in death. But guess what? Death was not the end for Jesus. Instead, He resurrected and swallowed up death. It was often said that God tricked Satan. And it reminds me of several movies that I've seen where the ending is resurrection. You think they're dead. You think it's over. And all of a sudden, they come back. Why? Because love is greater than death. Love is stronger than death. And what a comfort that is when someone dies. That was, a, that was a real solid hope for me when my pappy died a few months back, back in April. To know that his love for God was stronger than death. And my love for him was strong enough that one day I would see him again. And I will see him again. What a powerful thought that is this morning. God swallowed up death. It is defeated. There is no sting in death anymore, the Scripture says. He's taken away the sting. We still must die. But we are promised resurrection in Christ. You could say it this way. If God placed us in a world where human freedom allowed for sin and evil and suffering which it did. Great suffering. God said to us, you know what? If you've got to go through it, I'll go through it with you. This is God who doesn't suffer. 
This is God who can't die. And yet, He chose to come and take His own medicine. He is, after all, the great physician, isn't He? He's working on us to heal us. You see, He's not just kind. My mother's very kind. She would never do anything to hurt me. Which means she wouldn't even do surgery on my arm because she doesn't want to see me in pain. But my brother, as a surgeon, is good to people. He's not always kind. He cuts on them. He has a hammer. I didn't know this, but he has a drill like mine with battery-powered screws that he drills into people's bones. I mean, that can't be very kind to somebody. You're putting them in great pain and a long uh, recovery time too. But you know what? It's good because He fixes people. Just like that girl that we talked about who was paralyzed from the highest point you could ever break your vertebrae. All the way down. She was paralyzed. And He put a screw in her and they worked on her. And now she can walk. Sometimes He has to cut deep, doesn't He? Because our sin goes deep. But He's the great physician. No matter what you're going through... Maybe it's a troubled marriage. Maybe it's, maybe it's anxiety. Maybe you're caught in an addiction. Whatever it may be this morning. Whatever your suffering may be in this life. And most of us haven't deeply suffered. But whatever you consider as suffering this morning, God can work it into a great musical. A great story. Because in the end, if we stick with Him... It'll turn out good. He is only good. That's somebody to trust in, guys. That's good news. Jesus became one of us. He's the good shepherd who lays down His life for the sheep, John 10. He's good. There is no dark. He is not out to get you. I tell people, and I hope this is a good distinction, when you sin or fail... And there is a voice that says, You're not good enough. You'll never be able to do this. That's not conviction. That's condemnation. That's the accuser accusing you. If you feel like you can't do it, that is not God. The voice that says to you when you fail God, You're better than that. You know it. You know you can do better than that. That's the Holy Spirit who's come alongside of us, cheering us on, picking us up. I've been watching the Olympics. It's like when they're riding those bicycles and the cars come alongside of them and they have a wreck and their tire's blown. I mean, that dude today just popped one one thing, popped the tire off, put the other one on, and pushed her. And she was back back on the trail. That's what He wants to do. You're better than this. You're you're better than just a flat tire. You've got it in you to do. You can do this. Because the Holy Spirit is here to help. What What good news is that this morning? And that's the kind of good news that we want to respond to this morning. He is the great physician. What does He need to do in your life today to help? It may be painful. But He only does what is good. He only allows 
what can be turned into good. There's nothing that's not redeemable with God. Can He make your ashes something beautiful? Would you let Him today? Is there somebody that needs to hear this message? Point them to it. This week, speak a word into their life. We know of one in our midst who is grieving that needs to hear this message. Would you be an encouragement to somebody this week on on this point? God is good. His creation is good. We're called to be good. And we can be good as we reflect Him. But we must look at the sun. That's the only way the moon reflects the sun is to look at it, face it. Let's all stand and as we respond to God in prayer.